Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host, and we have a great show. I'm really excited to have Charles Lear. He's written uh, a wonderful book, The Flying Saucer Investigators, and he has been writing blogs for me for years. He wrote recently a series of five uh, behind the scenes. I'm going to get this wrong. Yeah, behind the scenes of U of UFO cover up live. It was about a series that was on TV, but behind the scenes on that. Oh my goodness. Um, so there's a lot to talk about. Again, he did a series of five and uh, they've been popular on uh, YouTube as far as the audio blogs, which he does as well. However, I just discovered today with the series of five that number four is missing and that's totally my fault and it will be uh, posted in a while. I'll try to post it within the next couple of days. So uh, now a couple of things. Uh, let's see. Tomorrow night, tomorrow night at uh, 8 p.m., I'm going to be right here with Mark D'Antonio. And it's going to be a totally different show. I do the Everything Else show, which is usually topics that I like to do other than UFO uh, topics. And I have done uh, some interesting ones, one with a uh, uh, FBI whistleblower that spent time in jail uh, reporting uh, torture. Uh, and uh, that was really interesting. These are ones I did years ago, one of someone that was shipwrecked basically for 86 days and one on ghosts and all kinds of things. I've done all kinds of different shows. Again, these are topics that I find interesting other than UFOs. So tomorrow night, like I say, it's going to be really different. Now, Mark D'Antonio went through uh, a very serious uh, heart surgery years ago and a lot of things happened. He barely... Uh, he almost didn't make it. And so he's joining me and we're both going to be talking about our experiences. And it, again, it's a personal type of situation. However, there's a lot of things that are actually pretty funny that happen. So it might be entertaining for someone to watch. Again, that's tomorrow night at eight o'clock. Next week, we have uh, Avi Loeb on uh, from Harvard. And let's see, this week's blog that Charles uh, did was UFOs and uh uh oh yes and the police in colby kansas and that was back in i think uh, i did read it <laughs> i think it was night 1970s i believe when that happened and uh that w well like he can i think it was uh 1972 Whew, that's when it happened anyway uh we can talk quickly about that and with no further ado here comes charles welcome to the show charles Hi, Martin. Always good to be here. Yeah. Uh, thank you for all you do, I should say. You do so much, and I really do appreciate it. But uh, what uh, – it was 1972, the latest blog. Uh, 72, 73, yeah. Uh, the actual – I yeah. think the actual police – the sighting was 72, yeah. Good job. <laughs> and and there was uh, multiple witnesses. I love those uh, police sightings. You know, I mean, you hear – uh, skeptics say, well, they're no better observers than anyone else. But I kind of tend to disagree with that. I think they're, you know, they don't want to come forward. Look at Lonnie Zamora, you know, wish he never come, came forward. Oh, yeah. I have one more announcement I forgot to make. Uh, last week, uh, we had a, a terrible uh, internet issues. And I had John Ramirez on. And I had a lot of people saying that they were frustrated uh, I didn't do the show that long and all that. And uh, again, the internet issues were really bad. I was in my office location and I couldn't hear half of what he was saying. So 
it was a very disjointed interview. And so he's coming back on December 27th to basically finish that interview. Just wanted to make that announcement and uh, let, let's move on. So uh, I was just saying that I think the policemen are one of the people, along with military people, especially when someone's flying in a plane, uh, they know what, you know, enemy aircraft, they really take a lot of study in that. So these are what I consider credible witnesses. And I'm just yeah. making a point. I love the police officers. I, I do too. Uh, they're, I, I consider the police uh, the uh, first line investigators. I mean, they're very often the first people, people, uh, organizations people turn to when there is a sighting in the neighborhood or an area, especially, you know, most people don't know where to report to. Uh, a lot of police have, uh, I just wrote a uh, blog about New Fork, uh, and a lot of yes. police actually do have the New Fork National UFO Reporting Center number on, you know, at the ready. Uh, but yeah, very often uh, the police uh, throughout history, police have been the first people out there. And well, when I had my sighting back in 2007, I had no idea there was anything online. And that's what I did. I called the yep. police department. Exactly. Because yeah. I didn't know who to call. <clears throat> and, you know, so, generally because they're, uh, you know, it's their backyard, their jurisdiction. Uh, they're, yeah. they're like, for instance, the Trumbull County, Ohio uh, case, that was all uh, recorded uh, at the police dispatchers and they had a, uh, a recording of that. And uh, researcher, uh, Kenny Young reached out to them. They handed it over immediately. No, oh yeah, sure. No problem. You know, this, this is our business. This has nothing to do with, uh, uh, big brother. So, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this series you wrote, of uh, the five part series, you kept digging into it and finding out more and more. And boy, is that convoluted when it comes to, <sighs> all the players in that. And I, I'm almost more confused after reading all that than uh, trying to, I, I can't quite figure the whole thing out. It was, uh, but why don't you, uh, first of all, I do have to say this too. I was thinking about this today. When we talk about these characters, there's a lot of people that are new in the UFO world and they may have no clue who Richard Doty is, Paul Benowitz, uh, Bill Moore, well, any yeah, of these that people. That's you know, the, so we have to keep that in mind. Well, that's a real issue. When I, when I wrote this piece, I was like, you know what? I got to kind of put UFO, one, Ufology 101 on the back burner. And just, I I wrote it for people who are a little more familiar with this stuff. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it was uh, an exploration of mine. Uh, I, I was the one exploring. I wanted to like really look into this and know about this. And I, you know, I, I do keep uh, the newcomers in mind most of the time. I, some, to some extent, kept them in mind during this, trying to, you know, explain who these people were and the, the backstory. But it, like you said, it's super convoluted. Um, and it's also a lot of stuff that um, if you didn't grow up, you know, if you weren't around during the uh, 80s and then into the 90s, um, you, you, you know, you, this stuff back then, this stuff was all over the place. This stuff dominated Roswell, a 1947 case, pretty much 
the entire 80s slammed down our throats to the yep. point where you know us folks who went through it we're sick to death of roswell you know we're, we're done with it much like i'm sure this generation is uh pretty much done with uh uh to the stars academy and uh, the new york mm. times article and uh, yep. you know it's had enough it sucked the life out of ufology um but so in writing the the blog i i i I realized that well, the series, what's funny is I thought it was going to be two parts, maybe three parts, and it ended up being five. And even that uh, still, I, I, um, it was difficult to dig in deep. Um, and mm -hmm. I, I think it's probably better if uh, it's better read, I think, than listened to, because uh, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff you got to read twice. Uh, but it's more of a guide for the uh, anybody who's interested in all this stuff to look into it themselves. I've got links to all the pertinent documents. Um, so somebody who's really interested in the question that I was interested in, which I'll get to in a moment, uh, can look into this for themselves and make their own decisions. Uh, I was also you know, careful mm -hmm. to say, look, this is a speculation. It's a thought experiment. Uh, I'm trying to find this. I'm looking at it from the point of view of parsimony, the simplest explanation. Uh, if you've got two, you know, different arguments, the simplest explanation is usually the answer. Um, so anyway, with that being said, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, what I was looking into, uh, the, the there was this show called UFO Cover-Up, question mark, live, exclamation point. Uh, yeah, uh, UFO Cover-Up, question mark, live, exclamation point. And it was a pretty ridiculous show uh, with a lot of outrageous claims. And in the end, had two shadowy figures, government insiders, uh, Falcon and Condor, um, talking about uh, 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 an alien that uh, an alien that was uh, part of an exchange program, uh, and the kicker was um, Falcon saying that uh, this alien liked to EBE, right? Was yeah, that yeah, EBE. This this EBE liked uh, Tibet, ancient Tibetan music. And um, uh, strawberry ice cream was its favorite snack. So, um, and you also had, it was pretty much a showcase for uh, William Moore, uh, Stanton Friedman, and Jamie Chanderay uh, for their, um, around the MJ-12 documents. And Stanton Friedman uh, actually said on air that they have proof um, that there actually was a crash at Roswell and that there were uh, aliens recovered and that they uh, uh, did autopsies on them. So, you know, which has turned out not to be the case. You know, the proof is, uh, it turns out the documents are almost certainly fake. Uh, the MJ-12 documents, which was a series of uh, eight documents Jamie Chandray received with a um, Albuquerque postmark, uh, in his mailbox on film, uh, so you don't even have the original documents. And then when you look right. at the documents themselves, they're crazy. But anyway, in order to these characters, uh, the characters of Condor and Falcon, the the mysterious government insiders and Shadow, 
pretty much people are convinced uh, that this was Richard Doty, uh, infamous uh, self-proclaimed CIA-trained Air Force Office of Special Investigations disinformation agent working on behalf of the AFSOI and the CIA uh, to uh, spread confusion among uh, UFO researchers via William Moore, uh, co-author with Charles Berlitz and Stanton Friedman in the background doing research on uh, the Roswell incident. Um, and prior to that, uh, co-author with Charles Berlitz on uh, the Philadelphia experiment. Uh, and uh, Robert Collins uh, was uh, supposedly Condor. Uh, Collins, I think, was another AFOSI guy. Um, so in order to uh, – the ac accusations have come up that uh, the show was used as part of a government disinformation program uh, to spread these ridiculous stories uh, around the uh, UFO community and confuse all us researchers. And it certainly did. People were extremely confused, and a lot of time was spent, uh, yeah, looking at the claims, figuring out who Condor and Falcon were, uh, whether the MJ twelve documents were real, and what was the truth of the fact that uh, the Air Force uh, was operating a dis an actual disinformation campaign, which had been, you know, it, it's a constant from ufology uh, way back in the day. Um, so I wanted to look into the idea that uh, Richard Doty um, was acting on his own, um, maybe in concert with uh, Robert Collins, and that Bill Moore uh, kind of looked the other way on a lot of stuff. And uh, uh, kind of took the uh, MJ-12 documents, didn't look into them. <laughs> uh, basically kind of, uh, they were doing him more of a favor if they were, he considered them real and presented them as real. Uh, it certainly would help his book sales and uh, anything else he wanted to do in terms of writing. So I also looked into the idea that he was somewhat culpable in this. Um, and that, UFO cover-up live wasn't a disinformation program uh, so much as it was a train wreck. Uh, so that's, uh, I began with uh, those yes. ideas in mind. You talk about that too. In the yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, that was really something I remember you talked about. The, uh... Yeah, it, it went badly. Um, so, so there's... Uh, I think I'm having another issue with my internet. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll fill, try to fill in the gaps if I can. Uh, but um, yeah, so uh, in order to, to begin, uh, I looked, wanted to establish the credibility of both Doty and Moore. Um, and so starting with William Moore, William Moore, prior to all the Roswell stuff, was a co-author with Charles Berlitz on the book, The Philadelphia Experiment. And The Philadelphia Experiment is basically centered around the um, uh, an episode, um, this guy, Carlos Allende, this 
gets really difficult. <laughs> so I need my notes. Here we go. Um, yeah, Carlos Allende. Uh, wait a minute. Yeah, okay, that's uh, part two. Give me a moment. Boom. Well, while you're doing that, can you hear me okay? Yeah, we're all good. Unfortunately, there's. Uh, I'm at a different location. I'm having a little bit of issues still. It's possible it's my computer. It's something I'm going, going to look into uh, right away. But um, I just wanted to say a, a little bit about Doty. For, for it seems to me that you sort of uncovered that he may be, he may have been working on his own. Uh, you know, his last few years of service, he was working in basically in the food uh, part of uh, whatever it was food service, which is really unusual if he really did have a high position and he received no, uh, when he was a police officer, he, he just seemed like he was treated like uh, every other person, not someone that would have been in some type of intelligence. So, um, it does look a little iffy. And, um, I, I had him scheduled for a show, uh, about five or six years ago. And I said to him, and, and uh, by the way, Alejandro Rojas was pretty upset. He he said uh, that I was going to have him on the show. He said, don't give that guy any airtime. He's a liar. <laughs> That's basically what he said. And uh, so uh, I hope I don't get sued for saying that. But anyway, yeah. um, it, it, the thing of it is, is he um, it, he's now he's glorified in all these movies in, Stephen on, Greer he was just on in Stephen Greer's yeah. Uh, yeah. film uh, going uh, uh, continuing his uh, aliens and ice cream uh, spiel I don't know if he yeah strawberry ice cream, ice cream. Yeah, yeah yeah um but yeah I uh, that's the other thing so I'm looking into the credibility of more and Doty um I'll, I'll get to Doty in a second uh but the story with uh more uh, the Philadelphia experiment, there was um, an experiment in uh, the Philadelphia Navy Yard where a U.S. Navy ship was instantly transported from its dock in Philadelphia to a dock in the Norfolk, Newport News, P Portsmouth area, Virginia, basically. Uh, so these quotes are from a letter uh, from Carl Allen to Morris K. Jessup, who was a famous uh, researcher and researcher. Um, uh, they were the genesis of the story that Moore and Berlitz supported um, with anecdotal and circumstantial evidence. So if you read the Philadelphia experiment, it's basically Carl Allen, uh, also known as Carlos Allende, is the main source for the story. This guy came forward in 1969. He walked in the to the headquarters of the Aero Phenomena Research Organization, Jim and Coral Lorenzen's group uh, in Arizona. And he confessed that the letters were a hoax. And mm. this was reported in the J July, August, 1969, April Bulletin. Uh, when I was down at the um, Gray Barker Collection, the Harrison Clarksburg Public Library, um, David Halchin, the curator there, uh, you know, gave me a paper that he wrote up, uh, 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 
basically an article, an essay uh, that he wrote up about this whole thing because uh, Gray Barker and Jim Mosley also got involved. Uh, Mosley found uh, Carl Allen uh, and uh, Barker convinced him to come to Clarksburg, uh, West Virginia, and he went on tape basically saying he made a lot of stuff up. Uh, he kind of rambled. He kind of hedged around, you know, whether the story is true or not. But there, there's a lot of evidence out there. A lot of people have looked into this. Uh, Aaron Golius did a great, uh, who does the saucer life. He did a, a great uh, few episodes on Carlos Allende, Carlos Allen. Uh, it's basically been established. This guy liked to make stuff up. He even faked a heart attack so well that uh, paramedics had to check him three times as a youngster. Uh, and, <laughs> You know, his whole family just says, yeah, this guy just loves to make stuff up. Uh, it, it's like pathological. So this is um, this is somebody that uh, William Moore got behind <laughs> because it uh, it sold a good story. So that kind of looks at uh, Moore's credibility. Um, and then Doty, who we were just talking about, uh, is... Air Force service records can be found online. It's uh, not easily, which is kind of, um, I think, a bit of, uh, it doesn't really reflect well on the UFO community that these are were so hard for me to find. Uh, I found them on uh, UFOs documenting the evidence. Uh, that's a blog spot. So that that's the title, UFOs documenting the evidence on uh, blog spot, blog spot dot com and uh, mm -hmm. his his Air Force service records are there uh, and they clearly show this guy uh, was in law enforcement uh, with the Air Force. He worked himself up from being a gate guard uh, and uh, Wiesbaden uh, Air Base in uh, Germany uh, up to uh, being a, um, a detective with the uh Air Force Office of Special Intelligence. Uh, one of his former commanders was actually quoted as calling him uh, his drug guy. So it seems he was the guy that uh, looked into drug issues. Um, but his whole career, even after the Air Force, was in law enforcement. However, uh, his last two years, uh, I think it was almost two years of uh, service right before he retired, uh, his records show him in food services. Uh, and, uh, Philip class looked into this, uh, arch skeptic, uh, who, you know, uh, <laughs> has a little rough around the edges. Yeah. 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 But in, in this case, I, I looked at class because he, he was extremely concise in, uh, his reporting of the, the episodes around Doty and more, uh, basically, uh, mm -hmm. he, specified that uh, Doty was working as the manager of the uh, officer's mess at Kirtland Air Force Base. Um, so uh, it, it just doesn't seem like uh, the career tra trajectory of a uh, CIA-trained disinformation agent, mm -hmm. uh, not to mention the fact that Doty has been uh, – you know, publicly proclaimed this in a public forum, you'd think uh, somebody in that position would have had to take a secrecy oath. True. Um, <laughs> so he'd be violating a secrecy oath. 
unfortunately, the Air Force has never come forward, or nor has anybody else saying, yeah, Doty worked for us, or no, Doty didn't. So, you know, it, it sure, the argument's really good, uh, but, you know, and, you know, maybe I'm convinced, but I can't say this is definitely true. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, so, but to begin with, so essentially punched holes in uh, more in Doty's credibility. Um, and from then on, uh, it, Moore and Shanderay, um, well, Moore is responsible for getting the MJ 12 documents into the public eye. Mm -hmm. Uh, the MJ 12 documents were received by a friend of his, Jamie Shanderay. Uh, in the mail in an envelope with a Albuquerque postmark, which kind of points to Richard Doty. Richard Doty was stationed at Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque. Uh, Jamie Shanderay is the guy in the middle. Uh, Stanton Freeman's on the uh, uh, my right and yeah. Moore's on the left. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, on film there were um, – Eight documents. Uh, seven were the Eisenhower briefing document, and one was a uh, letter from uh, Truman to James Forrestal. Um, so, uh, yeah, the um, the first hole that was punched in basically what these documents set up, uh, there was um, a list of 12 names uh, of, of this group that um, supposedly had uh, briefed every president from uh, Truman to Reagan. Um, <laughs> or, uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Um, about the government's secret UFO program. Uh, so officially, since the termination of Project Blue Book, there was no government program. So they're saying there was a secret government program and that they had alien bodies and crashed wreckage, um, which was uh, what Moore was uh, pushing uh, along with uh, Friedman. Uh, so this is a, the famous Roswell crash. Well, when they started looking at these documents, uh, a lot of researchers, uh, Brad Sparks uh, and Barry Greenwood. Um, Barry Greenwood, uh, who you just had on the show with David Marler, Dave, Barry Greenwood's an old-time UFO researcher. He's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Greenwood was the first person to get wind of these documents um, yep. because of a, um, a researcher that um, was – more kind of uh, uh, he, he was he was getting snippets of information from Moore, and he was sending in a FO Freedom of Inform FOIA requests, trying to get information on uh, this strange uh, group of people and these documents. And so things started getting out that uh, these documents exist. Uh, Barry Greenwood was the first person to start writing about this and really looking into this. Um, but he also uh, teamed up with a fellow researcher, Brad Sparks, and 
uh, they presented a paper at the 2007 MUFON Symposium uh, where they discussed the MJ-12 documents and Doty and Moore's involvement with them. Uh, Brad Sparks punched a hole in it from the get-go. Uh, the, the documents were received in uh, late 1985. I think as early as 87, uh, Brad Sparks found uh, a gross errors. Uh, Page three of the Eisenhower briefing document has a description of Kenneth Arnold's June 24th, 1947 sighting. There's a description of a recovery operation, quote, in a remote region of New Mexico, located approximately 70 miles northwest of Ar Roswell Army Air Base, where wreckage and four alien bodies were recovered. Now, the gross error is that if you're flying, it's 62 miles and if you're mm. driving, it's over 100 miles. So Sparks pointed that out. So, you know, this is a, a briefing document. You would think they'd have their facts straight. Sure. Uh, so there are numerous um, uh, errors in these documents. Like and grammatical, too. Yeah, that, that's the other funny thing. Yeah. Uh, and this is a pattern. Uh, before these documents, there were uh, what were called the Aquarius documents. And this was apparently, uh, uh, that's supposed to be a briefing to Carter. And uh, the there's a teletype and a, an Aquarius document. And the Aquarius document is just pretty ridiculous looking um, in terms of just looking like an official document. Um and one of the uh, sillier things in that is the um, idea that um, uh, a character, essentially uh, Jesus, uh, they not mentioned by name, is sent to this planet to uh, teach us uh, how to be civilized, or you know, to teach us civilization. Um, so. Um, there were grammatical errors and punctuation errors in that as well. So for a briefing document, that's pretty ridiculous as well. Um, so yeah, these, these documents ended up being, uh, when you, if you look at them, I, I read them for the very first time writing this because I grew up with, you know, I not grew up, but you know, I've been through all this stuff, uh, lived with all this for years and, <laughs> Back in the day, I wasn't interested enough to actually read them. Uh, so now I've actually read them, and they're pretty pretty damn ridiculous. Um, so uh, that's something I learned along the way. So now we've punched holes in Doty's and uh, Moore's credibility, punched holes, uh, punched holes in the uh, credibility of the documents they're presenting. Um, and... All this is leading up to this production of UFO Cover-Up Live. Um, but another twist in the road is this uh, group called the Aviary, um, which is part four. <laughs> um, and hmm. the Aviary uh, is... You've got the names Falcon and Condor, which are uh, the guys who were in uh, UFO Cover-Up Live. Uh, there, uh, there was there were rumors going out that there was this group, much like MJ-12, of government insiders, military in, and uh, intelligence, uh, that uh, were 
uh, basically a UFO working group. Um, and it seems there actually was a UFO working group. And Ralph Blum looked into it in his 1990 book, Out There. Um, and they were made up of people who were members of or who had connections to the military and intelligence community and had a genuine interest in the UFO subject. Uh, so, you know, this is where I get to, you know, people are people, uh, whether they're in the government or uh, you know, in the military or in intelligence circles, there are people, as we know from uh, people like uh, Kit Green and uh, Christopher Mellon, um, who are genuinely interested in the UFO subject and try to get information uh, about it and use their uh, use their connections. Um, so, the idea that there was an actual group called the Aviary was something to look into. It's pretty tenable. Well, it didn't occur to me that this, it occurred to me as I'm writing this, that this was at around the same time that this group started getting active was around the same time as um, Project Stargate was uh, running uh, a remote viewing program um, that was started at, um, oh, where was that started? Um it's a government-funded remote viewing program. Uh, actually, the uh, DIA, uh, under the DIA. Um, and it was, uh, the funding was eventually pulled because uh, they didn't seem to be getting uh, consistent, reliable results. Um, so it was at the same time that this was going on. Not only that, the First Earth Army was going on. So this was... Um, the movie, the uh, there's a documentary and a book, uh, the men who scared, the men who stare at goats, stared at goats, yeah. uh, and uh, written by John Ronson, um, and the um, the documentary version can be seen uh, in the series uh, Secret Rulers of the World, uh, and so this involved people that some of whom were said to have been involved in the. Uh, okay, there's a list of who this aviary might be. Uh, it shows up in Adam Go Rightly's book, uh, Saucers, Spooks, and Kooks. Uh, and it shows up in other different versions of this list show up all over the web. Um, Richard Doty, Sparrow, Robert Collins, Condor, guy named Ernie, Ernie Kellerstrauss, Hawk. Uh, he'll become an important character in this discussion. Jamie... Uh, Chandere, Woodpecker, John Alexander, whom uh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of, Penguin. And then there's uh, Kit Green, Blue Jay, Hal Putoff, we've heard of him, uh, Owl, and Dr. Ron Pandolfi, Pelican. Um, so hmm. these same guys, also a lot of them, uh, I think Ernie Kellerstrauss in particular, uh, went to spoon bending parties, um, mm. no viewing. Uh, they were interested in out of body experiences and a lot of new age mysticism permeated the military back in this time. Uh, in after uh, the military's basic humiliation in the uh, Vietnam war, there was a big morale problem. Um, and I, I forget the guy's name. I should know this, but um, 
basically the guy who started the first earth army uh he started it because he noted that his uh so that soldiers in the in uh during vietnam I think he, he counted something like 60% of them, maybe even higher, shoot over the heads of the uh, enemy. Um, and he wanted to look into this and try and build a better soldier. And he went off and immersed himself in the New Age movement. And so, you know, did all kinds of meditations and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and then came back with this uh, – First, I think it was the uh, First Earth Battalion. Uh, he had a manual, and this actually shows up in the popular version of the, um, in the uh, fictionalized version of the Metasteric Goat, starring George Clooney, uh, with uh, 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 you, you, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, it, this is a time context where all these guys have this UFO working group going on. Um, so what happened, what seems to have happened is that these guys are trading stories with each other. Um, and because they're government insiders, they say, well, I heard from this guy. Uh, and then all these stories started growing in among members of the intelligence community and the military who believed in things like remote viewing and spoon bending. Um, and these stories started taking on a certain credibility because, well, I heard it from, uh, you know, how put off. And I heard this from kick green who's you know, mm. head of the UFO weird desk at the CIA. Um, and so this seems to have been the aviary. Now, in terms of whether they really existed, uh, Doty and Collins actually wrote a book called The Black World Exempt from Disclosure. And, you know, they claimed, yes, there really was an aviary. And they uh, there's uh, one uh, part where uh, Collins describes a meeting at the home of Ernie Keller Strauss that included Moore, Chandray, Doty, and John Alexander. According to Collins, they began talking about the ET, who was an ambassador or liaison to the U.S. Uh, so, you know, these guys are talking about this, but does any of them have any proof? Is there any documentation? Uh, where does this come from? Well, Pandolfi... Um, uh, yeah, um, this guy, Vince Johnson, wrote an article, The Aviary, The Aquarium. There was another group called The Aquarium. Apparently, huh. they had fish names and eschatology, which is a study of uh, end-time prophecies. Um, and uh, in relation to people in the government interested in this. Um, so in this article there is also a, a list of aviary members similar to the one uh, i just read uh, which is in uh, go right adam go rightly's book um so johnson um interviewed pandolfi he omits pandolfi's name uh but as the pelican uh, has the code name pelican and he also describes pandolfi's position at the cia as a physicist with the cia's directorate of science and technology who mans the weird desk uh, ufos etc at the cia 
So it's almost certainly Pandolfi, and Pandolfi was described also. Uh, Isaac Coy did a thread of the, on this um, on a, a, the above top secret forum. Um, he called Pandolfi the successor of Kit Green as the CIA's keeper of the weird, working on the CIA's weird desk. So this is almost certainly Pandolfi. Uh, and according to Johnson, when he asked uh, about the aviary, um, uh, Col- uh, Pandolfi said, the aviary is nothing more than the product of the somewhat deranged mind of Falcon, that's confusing, retired uh, it's actually Condor, but deranged mind of Falcon, retired Air Force Captain Robert Collins. And he went on to describe how Collins was discharged from the Air Force after being arrested inside the security perimeter of the Manzano Nuclear Weapons Storage Facility. According to Pandolfi, Collins told his captors that he was there to meet the president. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it looks like Collins was a bit wacky. Um, so other, uh, hole in the whole aviary thing is, or an explanation where some of their information was coming from, uh, can be seen in a, um, paper by Bruce McInbee. Mm-hmm. Um, he interviewed Ernie Kellerstrauss, Hawk, uh, it was a Lieutenant Colonel U.S. Air Force retired. And he published it in 1985, and it's called Hawk Tales. Um, Keller Strauss describes getting information from Dale Graff, a one-time director of Project Stargate, the remote viewing program, about e- EBEs, one of whom liked to go, the, go to the beach. Uh, he talked about recovered craft and a book where all of this was documented. Uh, Keller Strauss talks about Graff's intense interest in the paranormal and out-of-body experiences. Uh, So he's an open-minded guy. Mm. Um, But an important thing that Maccabee wrote uh, was in his epilogue. He said, one other other thing should be mentioned to put this into a special historical context. In the middle of the 1970s, the CIA established a top-secret program to investigate remote viewing. Um, Maccabee describes that some remote viewers reported seeing UFOs and tells the reader that this established a connection, not an expected or wanted connection, between the remote viewing program and UFO investigation. Uh, It became apparent that these two parallel investigations were welded together at a highly classified level. Uh, So Mm -hmm. correctly kind of references this in Saucers, Spooks, and Kooks, uh, essentially saying that these guys were getting their UFO and ET information from remote viewers. Um, so, you know, so the likelihood is that this was a, it, that what people, you know, thought was this, you know, highly organized uh, group called the aviary uh, who were passing along uh, UFO information, insider information and getting the dirt and kind of, th- feeding it out to the public. And then for some reason, Doty's disinforming the public. Uh, it really seems to have been an informal UFO working group of guys who are interested in this, along with a lot of other esoteric things. Um, and they and- actually they actually admitted, or a few of them, like Kit Green, actually admitted uh, that they were part, they did, they were part of the aviary. Uh, right. uh, Collins and Doty wrote it in their book. 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know about Kit Green uh, admitting that he was part of the aviary, um, but um, you know, I, I, I'm actually not too uh, too up on uh, Kit Green in terms of that. Uh, but you know, Keller Strauss talked about being, you know part of the, this working group. I don't think Keller Strauss actually, yeah, I think Keller Strauss called himself Hawk as well, because this is called Hawk Tales. Um, so anyway, in <laughs> into this milieu, uh, Doty got more in touch with Collins and this UFO working group. So Moore and Chandray, as I was mentioned here, there was actually a meeting with Moore, Chandray, and Doty uh, at the home of Keller Strauss. And like I said, they like uh, it, it in uh, Collins said they began talking about the ET, who was an ambassador or liaison to the U.S. Uh, so Chandray and Moore are privy to this, apparently, to this uh, UFO working group and getting what they think is all this inside information. Ah, so, <laughs> mm-hmm. meantime... Um, where the MJ-12 papers likely came from is talked about by um, Brad Sparks and Barry Greenwood. Um, and they talk about Stan Friedman was doing a lot of research and he's yeah. coming up with names that he thought were likely people. If there was some group in the government, this is all pre-MJ-12, these are the people who would be, this might be. Hmm. Moore is having discussions with Doty because they're trying to write a book together uh, with uh, Robert Pratt as the author. Um, and Robert Pratt actually started recording phone calls from Moore. Uh, the book was, I think they started in 1982. The, the, and it, the, the book kind of fizzled by 1984. They never got it done. But um the idea is that the it was Pratt's idea that they fictionalized it with which more begrudgingly went along with. And um <clears throat> they uh you know, second. So Doty was sitting down with Moore and um Moore was telling him, Well, you know, we found this, we found this, we you know, we think this, we think that, you know, this is giving him everything he found in his research. And then Doty would come around uh, and feed him back what he just told him. So, um, and uh, eventually in the form of uh, the MJ 12 documents, which uh, Friedman actually commented, Oh, these are all the names we thought they would be. Well, of course, Mm -hmm. because you gave them the names. Uh, So there's this feedback loop going on uh, that, that Greenwood and uh, Sparks, talked about. They wrote an extensive paper that they presented at the 2007 MUFON Symposium. Uh, You can find that online. Um, And so, yeah, they discussed this feedback loop. And and so not only did you have this feedback loop going on between, you know, Doty, Moore, and Friedman, um, you also had Doty with his guys, uh, the the, the UFO working group, so all this crazy stuff is just spiraling around. Um, yeah. One, one point I'd like to yeah. you to talk about real quickly is uh, the, the situation with the MJ 12 documents, they were being uh, Timothy good was, uh, was going to publish at the same time 
that Bill Moore was going to publish, and yet Timothy Good, uh, they were having a press conference. So Bill Moore hurriedly uh, put something together to to make sure that uh, there was an appearance that these were international, you know, internationally known because Timothy Good's in you know England. Um, so I, I think that is really uh, quite telling. And the MJ-12 documents kind of fit what uh, Bill Moore was writing in his book about Roswell. So everything kind of fit together in that way as well. Yeah, this is a, a class. Uh, Philip Class uh, summed up all this. Um, uh, yeah. Um, well, one of the things that came up with a class uh, Sparks, Brad Sparks, um, Moore actually made a suggestion, according to uh, Class, um, that uh, he, he told um, Brad Sparks that he and Stanton Friedman had run into a dead end. Uh, and Moore made the suggestion to Sparks that fake government documents could be created. This is all before the Ross, you know, the this is 1983. Uh, the fake government documents could be created that might induce people to come forward. Um, He's Sparks called Friedman and according to uh, class and was shocked to find that Friedman was for the idea. So um, class, uh, but based, so according to class, he got together with uh, more had a problem because if he released the documents and they found were found to be faked, uh, it looks pretty bad for Moore because he's the guy that would profit most from all this. Uh, so a good solution to the problem was when he met British UFO researcher Timothy Good in May of 1986. He made an arrangement with Good that Good could publish the papers in the book Above Top Secret, and it would make it look like both Moore and Good got the documents independently um, mm. from a source or sources in the intelligence community, and the documents would also receive immediate international coverage. So Moore and Friedman were scheduled to speak on June 14, 1987 at the 24th Annual UFO Conference in Burbank, California, which was sponsored by Moore. Uh, and they were going to review, uh, um, reveal some very startling material. Uh, unfortunately, Good's publisher decided to hold a press conference on May 29th and feature the uh, book's MJ-12 documents. So Good actually uh, had the uh, good graces to uh, tell Moore of his publisher's plans, and Moore had to scramble to release his copies first, and he got them to the media to the media on May 28th, just one day before the British press conference. <laughs> So yeah, that's that whole story. Um, pretty so, pretty bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a big guy that uh, was really hammering on these people too, um, uh, especially on Moore and Doty, uh, was Robert Hastings, and um, yeah. uh, he wrote a very early piece on this, and he he really went to town. He went to town on Doty, um, and um, Doty had threatened at least one person with litigation back then uh and hastings called him out and basically said if you're going to threaten me with litigation that means you have to in court uh say that you were or were not an actual you 
<laughs> disinformation agent. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that was uh, Hastings' whole card. Um, yeah. So played it early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah. So this is all the stuff leading up to this ridiculous train wreck of a program, and this is all the stuff that's swirling around in ufology at the time. And to this day, there are people out there that are still confused about all this, what mm -hmm. to believe, what not to believe. There are people that, you know, still will you know, probably uh, beat you up if you tell them that the MJ-12 papers are fake. Um, yeah. I uh, think Stan, Stan was yeah, pretty we're, much thought they, you know, he was backing them up all the way to, you know, we had conversations, right? to the end and he still thought they were right you know he did all that research in the archives and he found you know th things that kind of matched and stuff like that but i uh yeah I, I personally don't have a lot of faith in them and yeah i think there are a few other kind of mainstream people out there that were touting them as real yeah you know? and, and like i said i'm sure there's still people to this day and uh you know, Stanton Freeman had a lot vested in all this. He did. And had a lot vested in um, Roswell, which, you know, I, I've said repeatedly uh, on very numerous podcasts that, you know, that's a real danger in UFO researcher is to um, invest so much time on a single case because if things right. start looking shaky. Yeah. Eggs it, in the basket, as they say, you know, yeah, what? I just, I just, we're out of time. Can you believe that? That went awful that fast. quick. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, uh, Bill's got to run. So thank you so much, Charles. And really thank you for everything you do, which is a lot. I really appreciate it. My and, pleasure. The time went the really quick. <laughs> it did. Happy holidays to you as well. All right. You too, Martin. All right. Have a good night. Take care. Bye. -bye. Yeah. All right, everyone, we'll be back with Avi Loeb next week. Tomorrow, Mark D'Antonio and I will be here at 8 o'clock. So hope to see you there. Thank you very much. And I appreciate you all uh, listening. And remember to keep your eyes to the sky.